0: Hey, thanks for worshiping with us this morning. Uh, I'm hanging out with a good friend of mine. This is Kevin McNeil. Yeah, hey, uh, how's everyone doing? Yeah, (laughs) we we met Kevin a few months ago when like the shutdown began. He did an interview portion.
1: It was like right before the worldwide
0: pandemic. Yes, and then here we are today and back again. We've been trying to get Kevin in person (laughs) to preach with us, we'll do that eventually. But let me tell you who Kevin is in case you're just catching (laughs) up. Uh, Kevin is a church planter (laughs) who has just landed in Goldsboro now. We've been talking about him for Mm -hmm. several months and for almost seven months. Yeah, Uh, yeah, (laughs) yeah, And I just wanna take a second to uh, talk to Kevin and he's gonna preach for us this morning. So what's up yeah. man, how are things man, going? Uh,
1: things are going great, man. We have been spending the last year in a residency learning how to plant a church okay. in Jacksonville. Yeah. And we just moved to Goldsboro about four weeks ago now. All right, And we're really just trying to get people to know that we exist. Um, we're trying to put ourselves out there, build relationships and, and be known in the community. Right, you know? so that's hard. So, I know we
0: did it, yeah. our guys, our church, we turned seven years old uh, mm-hmm. in next month, this that's month. Crazy, man. Um, crazy. But so I remember being where you are. How are you getting people's attention? I mean, I know, but tell them. It's awesome. So uh, I think
1: the best thing that we've ever done is we bought a snow cone truck yes. and it wasn't a snow cone truck when we first got it. It was a first union truck or universe truck, I think it was. Yeah. And we just bought it. It was a really old from a junkyard. We we cut a hole in the side. We put a window in there. We put canvas church on the side and we put free snow cones and we literally drive it around Goldsboro. Uh, sometimes we have scheduled events like last week we went to a school in Goldsboro and we served all the teachers there and sometimes we just post up in Hobby Lobby or Planet Fitness Gym or whatever and we just set up shop and people will come from all over people love some free snow cones that's awesome that's great
0: man I'm a little bit jealous so when we first started we did some events like that just to give people's attention but uh now I'm thinking like we really should have bought an it's, ice cream truck.
1: It's cool until you drive to the gas station and people flag you down. Like people will beep at me, pull me over, and I have to explain like, hey, we can't just give snow cones on the spot. <laughs> you got to pull in the, you know, the run the ice and stuff. Right. It's, it's like little kids get upset when you say no at
0: first. You know. Can we get you to come right. down to yeah. Wilmington? No, that's
1: you will come. This thing has 300,000 miles. Okay. It's Not leaving Goldsboro. All right. When you go over 60, the whole truck just shakes oh, so, That's yeah. fun. So
0: guys, we uh we. Want want to, uh, we want to hear from Kevin here. He's going to tell you more about uh, just their vision for the city of Goldsboro and what God's doing in their life. So I don't want to take up any more of that time, but uh, man, uh, I want you guys to do what you can to pray for him, support them in whatever way they can. And you, you can. So Ke- Kevin, tell us about how we can stay in touch. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on all social media. Um, just look for canvas church NC. That's all right. our handle
1: all, all, all across the board. Um, you can also find us online at mycanvaschurch.org. Right. So just go get connected with us. Sweet. And if you know someone, you know, in goldsboro tell them about us um we're Absolutely. trying to trying to launch this church we got to get people
0: so. yeah so if you got friends or family near the city of goldsboro that a would want to be like kind of like beginning members of this church maybe they're yeah. already believers or especially if you know someone that's far from god maybe someone that you love and care yeah. about but you would like them to connect with someone like kevin yeah. uh yeah. connect with kevin connect with me we'd love to make that make that connection Absolutely. uh kevin man looking forward to hearing cool. you teach guys you let's get into this morning's teaching Appreciate it.
1: good morning venture church man it is good to be here to be able to speak to you guys even if it's online. I know Chris said earlier, man, we have been trying to to come down and see you guys forever, it feels like. So even though we're online, man, it is still so exciting to to be here with you to explain a little bit about what we're doing in Goldsboro, where we're at, and uh, where we're going. Uh, About seven years ago, there was this guy named Jason Woolard. And yes, this is Chris Woolard's brother. And uh, he took me out to Washington, North Carolina. And he he took me to this place called Bill's Hot Dogs. And I don't know if you guys know what Bill's Hot Dogs is, but he sat me and my wife down. He said, Kevin, I want you to think about, I want you to pray about, I want you to consider one day planting a church. And I looked at Jason and uh, I said, Jason, I'm going to tell you two things. Number one, I will never plant a church, okay? I think planting a church is, is terrifying. It's way too scary. It requires so much work. So go ahead, take me off the list. I will never plant a church. And uh, I said, number two, this is the most disgusting hot dog I've ever had in my life, okay? I, I'm not a big fan of Bill's hot dogs. People love it, it's not for me. And so over the years, Jason would joke, he would call me, he said, Kevin, when are you gonna plant a church for me? And I would say, hey, Jason, uh, when are you gonna pick a better restaurant? And we went back and forth over and over. And finally last year, Jason called me and he said, Kevin, man, when are you gonna plant a church for me? And I said, Jason, why do you keep bugging me about planting a church? And I don't know if you've ever heard the expression, if you give them an inch, they take a mile. I gave him an inch. And I said, Jason, why do you keep bugging me about planting a church? And he took a mile. And So uh, this morning, I stand before you as someone who is planting a church in Goldsboro, North Carolina. And so I'm excited to share with you today a little bit more about Goldsboro. I'm excited to get into God's word, but, but I'm going to ask if you would, let's pray before we get started. God, I, uh, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you so much for this church and the ability to continue to meet and continue to study. Um, God, I pray for the work that we're doing in Goldsboro. I pray that you would go ahead of us and uh, just pave the way, clear the path, get people in Goldsboro ready for your message and for your son and for Canvas Church. Um, God, give us your spirit this morning and uh, help us to understand what you would have us understand. We love you and we serve you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, Amen. I want to tell you a story this morning about one of my best friends named Matthew Swain. You see, I was at a church in North Carolina. It's the first church I've ever been at as a youth minister. It's Philippi Church of Christ. And I met Matthew. Matthew and I became very good friends. And one day he came to me. He said, Kevin, why don't you come over? We're going to have a barbecue at my house. Why don't you come over and hang out? And I said, sure, man, I'll be there. And so I picked up my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife. I picked up Maya. We drove to Matthew's house. And as soon as my foot stepped into his yard, I saw it. Like as soon as my foot touched his grass, I saw the thing that just gets me so excited. I'm not talking about the barbecue that they were making. I'm not talking about the campfire and the the music that they were playing over there. I'm talking about the thing that makes my heart beat a little bit faster. And if you're from North Carolina, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the cornhole boards. Like as soon as I step foot onto that grass and I see those cornhole boards, Maya, she's on her own, okay? Because if you need me, I'll be over there. I love cornhole. Look, I am okay at at football. I'm pretty good at basketball, but let me tell you, I'm like LeBron James at cornhole, and so I go over to this cornhole. I grab the bags. I start playing. Doesn't matter who's on my team because we're automatically gonna win, you know. And so I started playing with this dude I've never even met, and we just start crushing people. And I'm talking trash, and I'm just having like the, the best time of my life. Soon there starts to be a, a like a, a line of people who are like waiting to play me because I'm talking so much trash. And at some point, Matthew comes over to me and he says, "Hey, Kevin, we're gonna go to the backyard. We're gonna hit some golf." Balls, you want to come with us? And I looked at Matthew. I said, Hey, Matthew, golf's really not my thing. I, I think I'm just going to stay here and keep murdering people like cornhole. And he goes, Okay, well, we're going back. And he leaves. And uh, we continue to play and we're having a great time. But eventually, people get tired of losing. And uh, they said, Hey, Kevin, we want to take a break. You know, we're going to go hang out and you can't play cornhole by yourself. So I look around. I'm like, man, I I don't want to socialize and I'm not hungry. I don't want to eat. I might as well go check out this, this golf, you know? So I go to the backyard and I go over there and I realize I've never hit a golf ball in my life. And I look at Matthew, I say, Matthew, uh, would you show me how to hit a golf ball? And so Matthew turns into Tiger Woods and he's like, Kevin, yeah, let me show you. And he's got his golf club uh, in his hand. He's he's like instructing me. He goes, Kevin, this is exactly how you do it. And he's holding the club and he's explaining to me what you do. And he says, you want to keep your feet shoulder width apart and you want to look down at the ball and you want to keep your arm like this. And he's right here. And I'm right here. And what I'm doing is I'm talking to Matthew and I am walking around him like this. And I'm saying, Matthew, what do you do with your hips? What do you do with your legs? How do you, you know, hold your shoulders and your arms? He's talking to me. I'm talking to him. I know where he is and he knows where I am. And Matthew keeps doing this thing where he goes up and then he comes down. And then he goes up and then he comes down. And he does it like... 1500 times. And finally, after a million times of us talking, Matthew goes up and he hits the golf ball and the golf ball goes into the woods. The only problem is that when Matthew finally hits the golf ball, I was standing right here and the follow through from the club, man, it just clocks me in the noggin. And so as soon as I get hit in this face with the golf club, I I grab my head and I turn around and I just start stumbling into this field, all right? Now, I don't know if you've ever seen those movies, like sometimes it's like a war movie or a grenade goes off or a bomb goes off. And the director, what he's trying to do is he's trying to help you experience what it would be like if you were there when that grenade went off, you know? So like everything becomes hazy and there's like this ringing in your ears and, and everything's kind of slow motion and disorienting. You know what I'm talking about? Listen, let me tell you, that's exactly what happens when you get hit in the face with a golf club, all right? As soon as Matthew hits me, I grab my head, I turn around, I start stumbling into this field and I am just kind of out of it. All right. And I, I calm myself down. I say, Kevin, it's okay. I, I want you to breathe. I want you to relax. You're going to turn around. I never cried. I said, turn around, go back to the party. Don't make Matthew feel bad. You're going to have a little bit of a, a goose egg or a headache. Everything's going to be fine. So I calm myself down. I turn around and uh, I lower my hand and all I see is blood. And all I see, all I feel rushing down my face is just gushing blood. And, and I look down, my clothes are just like covered. My pants are covered in blood. And uh, I I just lose it, right? And so I, ha- I actually have a picture here on the screen. You can see This is my face, I had to have eight stitches. Man, that thing like split my wig. I had to have like eight stitches. I had to have two internal stitches. I have another picture on the screen. Uh, This is just me, just happy to be alive. You know, like I was just so stoked I didn't die that day. Uh, But see, here's the thing, it's a funny story that I got hit in the face with a golf club, but that's not the best part about the story. The best part of the story is as soon as Matthew hits me and I grab my head and I turn around, Everyone else at the party, they thought I was joking. And so as I'm struggling to stay alive here, everyone else, they're just laughing. (laughs) You see, what you believe determines what you do. I'm going to say that again. It's a simple concept, but what you believe determines what you do. Everyone at the party thought I was joking. And so what did they do? They laughed. And as I'm struggling and, and stumbling in the field, they're making jokes and they say, oh, look at Kevin. He is such a goofball. He's, he's pretending to get hit in the face of the golf club. Look at him. He's holding his head. He's stumbling around. This guy is hilarious. Look, he's, he's even losing color. Man, he is so funny, you know? It wasn't until I turned around and I lowered my hand and they saw the blood that their belief changed. And they realized Kevin is about to die. And they sprung into action. And before you know it, I was sitting down in the chair and they had ice on my face. Somebody kept smacking me and telling me not to go to sleep. Uh, But see, what you believe determines what you do. They believed I was just joking, so they didn't do anything. They laughed. Then they believed that there was a real medical emergency, and they sprang into action, and they literally saved my life. What you believe determines what you do. This morning, I want to talk a little bit more about that. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of James today. James chapter 2 And we're going to be in verse 14. It says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does it do? So you see faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Have you guys ever heard that phrase, actions speak louder than words? It's like this idea that you can talk about something all you want, but unless you actually do it, all you're doing is talk about it. It, Like you can say, I want to do X, Y, and Z, but unless you actually put that into practice, then you're just going to be talking about it for a really long time. This happens all the time with New Year's resolutions. Every year we get geared up and we say, this is the year I'm going to lose weight. This is the year I'm going to read or I'm going to travel or I'm going to save money. And we get so pumped for a few weeks and then, you know, come March, come April, we have completely forgot about our New Year's resolutions. In fact, some of you, when I said the words New Year's resolutions, you thought to yourself, oh man, I remember my resolutions back in January and I ain't done nothing. You know, you see what you believe determines what you do, your actions speak louder than your words. And James says the same thing here about your faith. He says, listen, you can say you believe in God all you want, but unless you actually do something about it, all you're doing is talking. Your life has to show something to where you say you believe, but you got to do something about it. Your beliefs determine what you do. Look in this very next verse. It says in verse 18, it says, now some people may argue, some people have faith and Others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith? If you don't have any good deeds, I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith. You believe that there is one God good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is dead and useless. I don't know when the last time that you actually took a moment and you contemplated how big God is and how tiny you are. But when you really give it thought and you think about how powerful and how almighty he is, it kind of brings this reverent fear. Right? I'll tell you a story. Uh, one time I was um, a freshman at my school in college. It was mid atlanta Christian University in Elizabeth City. And every year they did this thing called sneak day. And basically what it was, was the seniors any day during the month of September, the seniors could come on campus. They could sneak you off campus early in the morning and they would plan the whole day out. So you guys would go to the Outer Banks or you would go to Bush Gardens or somewhere really, really cool. They would sneak you off campus. You would go there and no one would tell the professors. So when the professor showed up to teach their class, there were no kids there. And it was a really, really funny, cool tradition that we did. And the professors also, they, they would also join like later once they realized it was sneak day. It was a really fun tradition. Uh, but see, I had this problem when I was 18 away at college. I had this problem and it was called Netflix, right? I would sleep, I would go to bed. It would be like midnight. I'd say, I'm gonna just watch a little bit of Netflix and I'd cut it on and I would watch, you know, some TV show. I'd watch one episode and then I'd watch another episode. And before you know it, it's like 1 a.m. It might be pushing 1.30, you know, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. I'm still just watching Netflix. And finally, it gets to be around 3.30, 4 a.m. And I'm, I'm kind of like half awake until around 4, my eyes just close because I don't have a choice. Like my body just involuntarily shuts down and I'm, I'm knocked out at this point. Well, on this particular night, I, I do the whole cycle. I'm, I'm sleeping. I'm knocked out. It's around 4 a.m. I just passed out. Come 5 a.m., guess what day it is? It's sneak day, okay? And, and so in order to understand the story, you got to realize my door is here. The college door to get onto my hall is right here. So I'm the first person that hears anything and everything moving in and out of my hall. And so 5 a.m. comes and this senior, he's like this big dude. He just busts through the door. Sparta kicks that thing open. And all these guys, like 20 guys, run down my hall and they all yell in the same thing. They say, it's sneak day. And the first guy turns to my door and he takes both of his fists and he goes, boom, 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 boom. He yells, it's sneak day. There was one kid that has pots and pans and they're running up and down the hall and they're just banging them. It's sneak day. And, And there was this one kid, I don't even know who it was to this day. He's just running up and down the hall and he's like, just like that. Just waking and up and all the other kids, they get out of bed and they're like little kids at Christmas. They're so excited. Like, yes, it's sneak day. It's five in the morning. I wonder where we're going to go today. We don't get go to class today. They're just so excited. But me, I just entered REM cycle sleep. All right. And I have no idea what's happening. So I open my eyes and I hear banging and yelling and symbols. And it sounds like this Indian tribe is outside of my room. And I'm not going to lie to you, dude. I thought the world had ended, right? Like, I thought that that Jesus had come back or or that God was back or whatever. And between that and between just the lack of sleep, dude, I lost it. And so I jumped to my knees and I just started praying. I think I even like shed a few tears like, God, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to meet you. Like make sure, please forgive me. I don't know what I have to do, but I am just so, so terrified because I know that any moment I thought that I was about to be standing before my creator and it scared me, right? And James says, listen, you can believe in God all you want to. Even the demons believe in God. They shudder at the thought of God. They tremble at the thought of God, but that's not enough. Like you got to do something about it. You got to take that belief and you got to put it into action. Uh, finally, it says this in verse 21, it says, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions. When he offered his son, Isaac on the altar, you see his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right right with God by what we do and not by faith alone. Finally, James uses Abraham as the ultimate example. He says, listen, Abraham, God comes to Abraham and he he basically says, Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And Abraham believes God. And he says that it was credited to him as righteous. However, after that, every time God comes to Abraham and asks him to do something, Abraham does it. Because what you believe determines what you do. And so Abraham believes God. And when God says, hey, I want you to get up and I want you to go to a distant land, Abraham gets up and he goes to a distant land. So much so that when, when God comes to Abraham and says, Hey, I want you to take your only son, go up on that mountain and I want you to kill him. Abraham takes his kid and he goes up a mountain and he gets ready to kill his only son. And then an angel stops him and says, no, 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 don't do that. That's not what God wants. God was just testing you to see if you really believe in him because what you believe determines what you do. And so this morning, I want to ask you two really, really important questions. And and they go hand in hand. The first question I want to ask you is, number one, what do you believe? And more importantly, number two, what are you going to do about it? You see, I want to tell you a little bit about our story. My wife and I, we lived in Roanoke, Virginia, and everything was great. Everything was awesome. I was the youth minister at Edgewood Christian Church. Our youth ministry was growing. Our church was growing. Uh, I had just been offered a spot, like a promotion, to be an associate minister. Everything was going great. My wife had just graduated from... uh, from school with her masters. She just landed like one of the best jobs in Roanoke city as a school counselor. We were surrounded by family and friends. We had a house, we had a dog, everything was perfect. And then I got a call from Jason Woolard. And he said, Kevin, why don't you think about planting a church? I said, dude, why do you keep asking me to plant a church? And Jason told me about this place called Goldsboro, North Carolina. And Goldsboro was around 35,000 people. There's an Air Force base there. If you've ever been to Goldsboro, you know what I'm talking about. It's the Seymour Johnson Air Force Base. And uh, among that 35,000 people, around 60% have no religious preference. And so you do the math, that's over 20,000 people that if Jesus were to come back today, they don't get to spend eternity with him. And the more we learned about Goldsboro, the more our belief changed. And we realized man, God cares about those 20,000 people, God cares about Goldsboro. And we felt God was calling us to plant a church. And so after a lot of discussion, after a lot of prayer, after a lot of crying and tears, we decided, hey, God, we know that you want us to leave and you want us to go plant a church. We believe that you care about Goldsboro, so we want to do something about it. And we sold our house and we sold our stuff and we moved to North Carolina and we have been attempting to plant a church. In fact, we just arrived in Goldsboro about four weeks ago after doing a year-long residency. But it wasn't enough to just say, man, God cares about Goldsboro. We wanted to do something about it. And this morning, I want to invite you to do something about it as well. You see, the challenge with planting a church, there's a lot of challenges with it, but it's pretty simple if you think about it. And I've kind of laid it out here. Look, in order to have a church, you got to have people right? Like if you go to a church and there are no people there, that's weird. All right. Don't go to that church anymore. If you're the only person there, that's not a church. Uh, So in order to have a church, you got to have people. But once you get people and you teach them how to find and follow Jesus, you teach them how to be obedient to Jesus. One of the things that they're going to do is they're going to give back to God. They're saying, God gave us all this money and all these blessings. We want to give back to them, uh, back to him, back to his church. And so once you have all this money, what are you going to do? To do with it? Well, simple. You're going to put it back into the church. And it's a pretty simplified version of how this works. Now, I know that that's not like a cookie cutter plan, but it's it's kind of a simple picture. And the challenge that I have with that whole model is I don't have any of that stuff right? Like I don't have a church, I don't have people, and I don't have money. And so we have to figure out, hey, how can we start to start the snowball and get this this church plant in Goldsboro going? And so we're in a season right now of raising money, raising support. So this money, it goes towards things like, yeah, it goes towards things like hiring. And it goes towards things uh, like staffing and buying supplies. And it even goes towards things like putting money back into the community. Like we've given a thousand dollars to the Wayne Pregnancy Center already in Goldsboro. This money goes towards things like that. But ultimately, this money goes towards lost people. Ultimately, this money goes towards people like Gizmo. You see, Gizmo, I met him for the first time when I I entered into downtown Goldsboro. I had never been there before. And Gizmo was very, it was very clear. He was homeless and he was just sitting at a park all by himself. And there were plenty of people around him and they all seemed to be bothered by his presence. And so as I walked by him, he stopped me and he started talking to me and I started talking to him and he was asking me where I was from and he was telling me a little bit about himself and we had a good conversation, but I did what you do. I start searching. Like I start thinking to myself, oh, do I have a dollar? Do I have $5? Do I have a gift card that I could give this guy? Because I know he's about to ask, you know? And so as he's talking to me, I'm searching my wallet. And then it re- I realized 20 minutes into this conversation, we talked for about 30 minutes, 20 minutes in, I realized, man, he's not asking for anything. In fact, the entire time I talked to Gizmo and as we left, not once does he ask for a dollar. Not once does he ask for gas money. Not once does he ask for food. You see, Gizmo just wanted to talk to someone. Gizmo is lonely. Gizmo is rejected uh, among his own community. And Gizmo just needs community. Ultimately, Gizmo needs to know who Jesus is. And Gizmo needs a church that can come alongside of him and that can show him who Jesus is and that can love him through some of the stuff that he's going through. And so this money, it goes towards things like supplies and, and hiring people. But ultimately, this money goes towards Gizmo. This money, it, it goes towards Rachel. You see, I met Rachel a few months ago in Goldsboro, and uh, our friends at the Wayne Pregnancy Center, they have kind of given us a, a bug in our ear about Rachel. Rachel, we're pretty sure, is involved in human trafficking down in Goldsboro. And uh, I see her all the time downtown, and the last time I, I met with her, it was probably last week, she came into the same coffee shop that I was at, and uh, I bought her a coffee. And while she was waiting, uh, I-, I invited her to sit down and talk with me, catch up with her, because if I buy you a cup of coffee, you at least got to talk to me for a little bit and so we're catching up. I say Rachel, how are things going? And she's telling me that she's struggling to find a job. And I say, hey, have you considered the Wayne Pregnancy Center? And her whole demeanor just changes. And I say, what's going on? What like why are you so mad at the Wayne Pregnancy Center? And she said, Well I, I don't want to go there. They keep trying to me to, to get me to go to a safe house. And I said, well, what's, what's the safe house about? And she said, well, they say that they're going to uh, get me a job and they're going to get me a, a completely new wardrobe and they're going to help me get back on my feet. And I said, well, that's a great plan. Like, why would you not go to the safe house? And then she says, well, Kevin, they, they won't tell me where it's at. And I said, Rachel, just hear me out here. If they tell you where it's at, Is it really a safe house? You know, we kind of laughed and and we talked about it a little bit more, but at some point towards the end of our conversation, Rachel, and she just gets so frustrated and I can see tears starting to welt up in her eyes. And she looks at me and she says, Kevin, there's always a catch. She says, people are always trying to get me to do something, but there's always a catch to it. And I looked at Rachel and I said, Rachel, look, you can call me anytime. You can call any of our people at Canvas Church anytime. We want you to know that if you need anything, there's no catch. You see, this money goes towards helping Rachel. Rachel needs to know who Jesus is. Rachel needs a church that can come alongside of her, that can love her and show her who Jesus is, that can help her with the situation that she's in, and that can show her that God's love has no catch. God's mercy, there's no strings attached. This money goes towards Gizmo. This money goes towards Rachel. This money goes towards Megan. Megan is in Goldsboro and, uh, she and her husband, her husband is in the air force there at the air force base, and he has been deployed for about nine months. And, uh, her husband was coming home not too long ago and she was so excited. She had all these expectations of what it was going to be like. And he had all these expectations of what it was going to be like. And when he got home, they realized that his expectations and her expectations. They were not the same expectations. And uh, when he got home, instead of this awesome homecoming, it was met with frustration and, and miscommunication and a lot of tension. And they were finally working these things out. You see, while he was away, Megan was the mom of not one, not two, but three kids all under the age of 10. You see, Megan doesn't just need Jesus. Megan needs a cup of coffee. Amen. Amen. Uh, Megan needs a church that can come alongside of her and that can love her family uh, throughout this whole ordeal, throughout all of the things that they struggle with as a military family. And and this money goes towards Gizmo. This money goes towards Rachel. This money goes towards Megan. So uh, this morning, I want to challenge you. What you believe determines what you do. And people ask me all the time, so what? Uh, Like, how can we help you? Kevin, you're in Goldsboro and it's clear that you're trying to plant this church. I I don't know that I can do much, but we want to help somehow. How can we help you? And I challenge people with three things. I say, number one, give. Uh, Like, if you are really interested in helping us in the season that we're in right now, we're trying to raise money. Would you consider partnering with us financially? I want to be very clear about what I'm saying though. Uh, Number one, I'm not saying to stop giving to Venture Church. Uh, Venture Church is incredible. You guys are are coming up on your seventh birthday. That's super cool. In fact, Venture Church has already helped Canvas Church out uh, in a few different ways. I I think that your pastor is one of the greatest guys ever. Every time I, I was just, you know, we said we got coffee earlier. Every time I get coffee with Chris Willard, I leave and I am ready to change the world. Don't stop giving to Venture Church. Don't stop giving to the awesome things that they're doing there in the community. But if God has blessed you, If you say, man, I got a lot of extra income. I got a lot of resources available. Uh, Would you consider saying, you know what? I think that God cares about Goldsboro and it's not enough to believe. I want to do something about it. And so I want to partner with you financially. Maybe it's a one-time gift. Maybe it's a monthly support uh, that's reoccurring. But would you consider giving to Canvas Church? Number two, I want to challenge you to go. You know what would be so much better than your checkbook is you like so much better than you just writing us a check or giving us money. We would love you instead. And so if God has maybe allowed you to have a flexible schedule, maybe you don't have anything going on right now. Maybe you don't really have any plans for the the future. You say, man, you know what? I want to go with you to Goldsboro. I want to move to Goldsboro. I want to meet these 20,000 people that don't know Jesus. I want to live intentionally and I want to help you start Canvas Church. Man, come with us. Go with us. And so I challenge you, man, give to us, go with us. And then the third thing is get connected. You know, as I mentioned earlier, you can find us on, on social media, Canvas Church NC. You could go to our website, mycanvaschurch.org, but leave us a review, give us a like, give us five stars. I mean, just really help us as we get going. If you know someone in Goldsboro that needs a church or someone that would be interested in helping us plant a church, man reach out to me. You know, I I think that my name will be tagged in this post. So reach out to me. You can find me on Facebook. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, get connected with us and help us with networking with people that are already in Goldsboro. Look, we believe that God cares about Goldsboro and what you believe determines what you do. And so we are trying to love the city and care for the city and start God's kingdom in this city. And we wanna invite you to to be with us uh, on that journey. Hey, I I wanna thank you so much for allowing me to be here with you guys this morning. Uh, I I have uh, some brochures that I'm gonna leave with Chris. And whenever you see him, he's gonna have them on hand. I'm gonna have him keep them in his car. And so anytime you wanna check us more, check us out more, you feel free to go grab one of those brochures and it has more information about how you can get connected with us, how you can give to us and how you can come with us. Uh, Let's pray. God, we we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you so much for Jesus. And we thank you for uh, just your mercy and your patience and your grace and and your love. And God, we pray that we can share that same love and mercy and and goodness with the city of Goldsboro. I pray, God, that you would help us as we we plant this church. God, I pray that you would uh, go ahead of us and, and pave the way for us to come. Um, God, we love you. And we thank you for Venture Church. I pray a special prayer for for the, the congregation here and for the leadership here that you would just protect them and watch over them and, and help them and bless them here in Wilmington. God, we love you and we serve you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
0: Hey guys, I want to hop on here with Kevin real quick. He did not know I was going to do this. Um, <laughs> Kevin, man, I really appreciate you being up here and, and sharing with us. And I just wanted to, to share with our church family, guys. We we're celebrating seven years as a church next Sunday, and uh, celebrating uh, seven weeks. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and to hear this passion coming out of Kevin right now, uh, listen. We we pre-record this kind of stuff, and and so it's hard to convey to you over a screen uh, how much we as a church family need to be praying for Kevin and his wife uh, for their their family, and what's going on uh, as, they're, as they're getting started there, and, and I want to I just take a second to remind a handful of you guys, when we first started, uh, when we first got in this city, a handful of you were there when there were 10, 15, 20 of us, some of you showed up when there were like 80 or 100, you know, and even today as we're trying to figure out through a worldwide pandemic what to do, you're still hanging on. Listen, I want you to know, the things he's invited you to be a part of, like this is something that I wanna encourage you to do. Like if you seriously wanna step away from what you're doing in Wilmington and follow God's leading and go to a new community and be part of a new church plant, man, I could not endorse that more. In fact, uh, you all probably, most of you know, Brent and Emily Myers and Aaron Collins, those guys moved to this city with us, you know, and we couldn't have done it without standing on their shoulders and being part of that team. So uh, Kevin just talked a lot about money, you know, And you were a church like we don't talk about money a whole lot unless it's only done in a healthy way I want to tell you like our church we're committed to helping uh, Kevin's church with with finances But man we as a church just became financially independent in the last like 12 months I know the struggle of trying to just Do the work of the kingdom in a city uh, Oh so well and I can't tell you how many people made a monthly gift to Venture Church of 20 $30, $50 for years. And just by them doing that, our families were able to be secure enough to do the ministry that we're doing. And so Kevin, uh, we're praying for you. Um, We're excited about what you're doing. Thanks for jumping up here and doing this. And um, if, if anyone wants to just work a snow cone truck,
1: you know what I'm saying? You want to come up on a Saturday, give out snow cones, come on down. I will right, we'll give you a t-shirt and some uh, syrup. And those are some
0: good snow cones too. <laughs> yeah. uh, at the end of our teaching every week, we, we uh, hop into a time of communion. So I'm going to hand it over to Phil and Kelsey for that. But um, thanks for being with us today, man. Thanks, man. Good thanks, seeing you. Thanks